The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Hi, this is Dr. Stephen Farmer, and welcome to the podcast, Healing with the Soul. In this particular one, we're going to talk about ancestors and give some information about how to make contact with those ancestors and discover perhaps some surprising information. To start things off, though, I'm going to do a calling song, Calling in the Ancestors. It's very short, very, very simple, and I'm going to accompany the calling with a drum beat and invite you to sing along with me if you feel so moved to do so. And it's been said that something like this is best done four times. So I'm going to sing it and then repeat it three more times. So again, you're welcome to join in. Ancestors, ancestors, we are calling. Ancestors, ancestors, we are calling. Come, come, come. Ancestors, ancestors, we are calling. Ancestors, ancestors, we are calling. Come, come, come. Ancestors, ancestors, we are calling. Ancestors, ancestors, we are calling. Come, come, come. Ancestors, ancestors, we are calling. Ancestors, ancestors, we are calling. Come, come, come. We typically think of ancestors as perhaps the previous three or four generations, which is absolutely valid. However, I want to give you a different take on ancestors, plus how you can make contact with those ancestors. I'm finding that more and more interest in Western civilization is showing up about ancestors and making those connections healing the family wounds, etc., that have been handed down for generations. It's really nice to see how this is happening more and more. Uh, Discovering, too, that related somewhat to this is trauma and post-traumatic symptoms that remain long after the actual traumatizing event or events. So we're going to take a look at a few different things about ancestors in this podcast, and I trust that you're going to Uh, that you will enjoy them. So, let's get started. First off, who are the ancestors? Well, the ancestors go a long, long way back, and that's where I'm asking you to extend your imagination. 
If you go back 10 generations, you've inherited some aspect of your biological, physiological, even your spiritual makeup from 1,024 ancestors. You can do the math. If you go back just 20 generations, you've inherited aspects of your makeup from over a million. To be precise, 1,048,576 progenitors. Beyond that, at 30 plus generations ago, you have some influence from over billions of ancestors. Of course, the gene pool gets more and more diffuse and diluted, yet something remains in terms of that connection many, many, many generations ago. Uh, going back far enough, they're not just our human ancestors, but as you'll see, all beings on this planet and beyond. The earth has been here for four and a half billion years. And there's always that mystery that many want to investigate, continue to investigate, is how did we end up here? <laughs> when maybe a couple hundred thousand years ago, there was an ape that got up and walked on two feet. And that's almost too simplistic, but it's true. So another interesting thing, though, is that 99.99%, let me repeat, 99.99% of our human genetic structure is exactly the same as every other human being on this planet. Differentiations account for just 0.01%, one one-hundredth of one percent. So if you think about that and put that together, we are much more closely related to our brother and sister humans than we realize. And if we go back far enough in history, we have a multitude of ancestors, again, both human and otherwise. There are some common cultural views that, that um, across the board in different uh, communities, different tribes, uh, etc., that uh, we find about beliefs about ancestors. And I'm going to go through these really quickly. Uh, the first is there exists another realm where ancestors and other spirit beings dwell. Call it the afterlife. Uh, call it just another realm, heaven. It doesn't really matter. But there is, based on many, many experiences people have had of visiting those other realms in various ways. Second, ancestors remain active participants in the lives of their descendants. I have heard countless stories and myself have experienced that where my ancestors have come to me, often to give me very, very sound advice, uh, to work with forgiveness, to uh, give me some sort of a counsel, give me some sort of reminders. Um, three, ancestors help keep family traditions alive. Four, ancestors protect the family. You can ask or thank your ancestors for taking good care of yourself and your family. And it helps to make periodic offerings to the ancestors, honor them, uh, and to receive their gifts in return. The Celtic holiday Samhain, S-A-M-H-A-I-N, which corresponds with our Halloween, is a good time to set up an ancestral altar to, to honor the ancestors, putting various artifacts, uh, favorite foods, etc. on the altar overnight. 
And again, ancestors, some, in some cultures, what is believed is that you can't go directly to the creator, that you go through the ancestors and then they communicate with the creator and then return that communication. That's just a, a belief that is found in some cultures. Also, like in Samhain, if you do honor the ancestors, you're blessed for the, the remaining year. Right around October 31st, November 1, is when Samhain takes place. And if you don't, in some way, honor the ancestors, they might trick you in some way. And there's where we get our trick or treat. And also, there is an evolution that takes place in the afterlife. Many cultures believe or know this. Uh, people, near-death experiences have supported this. My own experience in doing the shamanic journeys that um, after the point of death verifies that. At least I was given a typology that says, yeah, you know, you aren't saying it just because you die. You've got some work to do in the afterlife. So they do carry into the afterlife their idiosyncrasies, unhealed wounds, and character traits. And the good news is not only can ancestors help you heal, you can help them heal. So as far as the afterlife, I think my beloved stepdaughter, Ariana, who is now 16, uh, told a story when she was being driven to school by her mother approximately five years ago, five or six years ago. And uh, Jessica, my wife, was describing what she heard as she was driving her. Ari was in the back seat, and Ari was talking about something. What happens after you're born? And what she said is, first you go to preschool. Then you go to uh, grammar school. And Jessica said, well, what happens after that? Well, then you go to high school. And after that? Well, then you go to college. How about after that? Then you die. And of course, that gave us both a good laugh. So Jessica, with her wits about her, said, and what happens after you die? And Ari continued. She said, first you go to preschool, etc., <laughs> etc. Et so I think from the mouth of a child comes a reality about the afterlife, that there's still work to be done. Also, I want to mention briefly epigenetics. We could do a whole podcast on epigenetics. And that is that um, certain experiences, particularly around trauma, and uh, Bruce Lipton, who's studied this extensively, has said around toxicity, that they can actually change the way that the genes uh, are on or off. And what happens is these changes in the genetic expression. First off, the DNA doesn't change. You know, it's, that's it. Whatever DNA you got, you, that's what you've got. But of course, there's genetic expressions, genes express that are attached to the DNA, and they can be turned on or off. And if your grandmother had a severe traumatic experience, it's possible that those genes that turned off have continued down the line to you. That's epigenetics. Or that the genes have turned on. There was a fellow named Kenneth McCall told of a 
situation, a woman in her early 30s who suddenly developed a fear of water. Researching into her family pattern, she found that an uncle had died in the Titanic disaster. A healing service, this is great, a healing service was carried out in which the uncle was committed to the Lord. Healing the ancestor freed the woman from her phobia. Isn't that amazing? And there are many, many stories. Rachel Yehuda, uh, PhD, very accomplished uh, professor of psychiatry, neuroscience, and director of traumatic stress studies at the ICANN School of Medicine at Mount Sinai. Sin- I'm not sure I'm saying that right, but Sinai. There we go. So um, just the point being, these genes can be altered. They can be turned on or off. Um, what you will find by working with the ancestors is they can do healing with you too. And there's a saying from the Course in Miracles, which I'm sure some of you have come across. And it's a very simple saying. It's one I remember from studying the Course. It's the one takeaway that I had that means so much. And it was, when I am healed, I am not healed alone. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. One example of that healing that can take place with the ancestors, one in which it was a significant healing for me as well as, I'm sure, a significant healing for my mother in the afterlife. A couple of things that, uh, to describe this. One is that I was very shy as a child. I really kept to myself a lot. I, didn't, I, I felt different, always felt different. And I've talked to many people who, uh, when I share that story, they, they put their hands up too and, and say that they've also felt different much of their lives. And one of the things that I realized at some point was that my mother never really understood me. She couldn't really grasp who I was. I was kind of a weird child. I had some different ideas. I was uh, rather nerdy, <laughs> I confess. Um, I did silly things like dress up, you know, just to dress up in some kind of makeup and costume. And uh, I would do things like, um, oh, read for hours. You know, I would sit and read for hours. I loved reading and I have continued to this day to enjoy reading. Now also (laughs) to listen to audible books. Anyway, what was, um, what happened is that she had died about five years prior to this. I had gone with my partner at the time to uh, Cindy to visit with her brother and sister-in-law. Little did I know that I soon discovered that her sister-in-law, Maria, was actually quite gifted as a medium psychic. I got into a conversation with her because, of course, I was like, yeah, medium psychic, that's my territory. 
And she said she was really reluctant and did not do readings for other people because her mother and grandmother really worked with the dark forces, as she described it. That's all she had to say. So she has been very hesitant to use her gifts in any way. I said something to her like, well, you know, if you change your mind, you want to do a reading, I'm happy to be the subject. She thought about it a little bit, hummed and hawed a little bit, and said, yeah, let's go out in the backyard and do a reading for you. So we sat across from each other. There were no oracle cards or anything else. It was just straight ahead. And as we settled in, suddenly she had this anguished look on her face and like she had been horrified by something, and it was a vision that she saw. And I got you know, very big-eyed at that point, curious as to what she was seeing. And she said, oh, my God, oh, my God, you poor thing. Oh, and I just, I don't know what she was talking about yet, but just I was tearing up, you know, just hearing this. And I know that it's, it somehow touched a deep body memory. I may not have a conscious mental memory of whatever had happened, but I certainly had a body memory. And I do have some conscious mental, mental memories too. She could be both very sweet and very cruel, uh, very, very cruel. And I witnessed it with my two brothers and sister, particularly my sister, and I was the subject of that cruelty at times too. Anyway, so she dived in <laughs> to the deep end because I walked away from that fairly brief session, about 15 minutes, walked in back into the house, and uh, Cindy was talking with her brother, and she took one look at me, and because I was stunned, <laughs> I, I did, couldn't say anything at that point. It was like it didn't, I, I didn't know how to put words around what had just happened, but I knew something really big had just happened. So we had made plans to go camping, which is outside of Portland, Oregon, where her brother and uh, partner lived. Uh, we went out and set up camp. She drove, fortunately, because I'm not sure I could have at that time. I was in shock. So what happened, though, is as we unloaded, uh, eventually I sat down at a table that was there and I started writing, not computer, but handwriting in a journal that I kept. I've got a stack of about 20 of them. And as I wrote, I was still teared up. And then something miraculous happened. And I, to this day, remember the feeling that took place. One thing I should say about my experience with my mother is she never saw me. And we do know from developmental studies that it's important for the child to be seen, to have some adult figure be able to reflect back to the child you know, what their experience is. And I have pieced it together to understand I did have some of that. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't void completely of that reflectivity from uh, guardians, including my mother. Uh, I don't think I would be <laughs> as, as uh, relatively healthy as I am now without having that reflectivity. But she never got me. She never could. I realize that now. It was not due to some withholding on her part, it was simply due to that she was not capable of understanding in a deeper way what I was about, who I was, 
that in this weirdness, there was some incredible gifts that were yet to be uncovered. So as I'm writing, approximately as if she were two or three feet away, I heard her voice very distinctly. And she said, Okay, now I see who you are. And then the dam burst. To be seen. It was a, 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 an exchange of forgiveness. She forgiving me for <laughs> being a weird kid without having to say, oh, I forgive you. you know, like there's something to forgive. But some bridge had been crossed. And without even thinking the word forgiveness, it was like, oh, okay. That was like such a blessing and a miracle at the same time. And I truly feel complete with my mother, the experiences I've had with her, other stories that I could tell you, but I feel complete with that. And God bless her. She brought me into this world. And for that, for the opportunity to experience life, to be life, to be life expressing as this human being, no matter the joys, the sorrows, the suffering, the elation, uh, the experimentation, whatever it may be, I am truly grateful. So I want to suggest a couple of exercises you can do. Uh, I really fully believe you cannot force forgiveness. Just saying the words, I forgive you, sometimes that works, but often I'm afraid it just doesn't work. It becomes just words. So like the experience I just described, I, I think that was really like a letting go, not like it was a letting go of any, you could say any energy or bad feelings or anything like that with regard to my mother. It was a very significant healing in many, many ways. So here's a couple of suggestions, some things you can do. One is uh, physically set up a chair across from you. Close your eyes, call in your mother or father and yes, it's your imagination. Okay, let's, let's get over the idea that imagination is like fantasy, pretend, etc. Those are all kind of in the general realm. But for our work that we're doing, imagination is that bridge that takes us into that alternate reality. So what you can do is you sit that chair there and you've called in, let's say, your mother. And what I want you to do is slowly, as you're breathing with your eyes closed, just imagine her regressing, regressing, regressing slowly. From an older woman, perhaps, to a middle-aged woman, to a young woman, uh, to a teenager, <laughs> to a child. And if you can get all the way to her being an infant, that's great. Sometimes it's helped to have a guided meditation to do this, but I don't think it's absolutely necessary. Another is while your mother or father or grandparent is across from you in that chair, is just keep repeating this statement. I forgive you for being less than ideal. Or alternately, I forgive you for being less than perfect. Keep repeating that several times slowly with a breath in between and pay attention to what you feel, what you notice, sensations in your body. 
And last but not least, in a meditation reaching far into the past, many, many generations ago, to an elder ancestor. Try this out, see what happens, may or may not work, but it's certainly worth a try, is ask an elder ancestor to come to you. And again, you might not see them, and you might see them in the back of your mind, in in your mind's eye. You might hear them, just solely hear them. Or you might just get a sensation of their presence, accompanied by some sort of intuitive hit, and ask them for their counsel, or what I like to do with any request is thank them. All my prayers, except for maybe a couple here and there, are thank you prayers. So it'd be something like this. Thank you, my elder. Thank you for giving me some advice on whatever I need to know following my life path, my spiritual path. And again, as soon as you end the question, as soon as that last word comes out of your mouth, or if you're doing it telepathically, that last statement, that last word, pay attention to everything that happens, what you see outside you, inside you, mind's eye. Uh, What you hear, the, the message may come from outside your skin, or it may come in that inner voice, or and or a sensation in your body accompanied by a knowing, which is really what intuition is, a connection between the body sensation and cognitive processes. Well, thanks for listening in. I appreciate you taking this in, and I trust that it's been useful in some way. And again, it seems to be happening quite a bit more and more that those of us in Western civilization which has tended to be more forward-looking than looking back at the past, and particularly with regard to paying attention to the ancestors. Thank them. When you pray, thank the ancestors. Include them in your prayers to whomever and whoever else you might pray to, your spirit animal, your power animal, archangels, uh, ascended masters, any of those ordinarily non-visible beings, because the ancestors want the best for you. After all, you're part of their family line, no matter how far back you go. So blessings to you all. Thank you for listening. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.